0: You know, uh, we do as a tradition here in the church, I try that in the first few Sundays of January to talk around the subject of vision for many reasons. I think a new year gives us a good opportunity for us to look at our lives and look at the vision that God has for us and the vision we have in our lives and get in alignment. We are here because of God's purpose. There's a reason why God brought you into the world. Can I hear a good amen? amen? And you are here as a man and a woman on a mission. Now, our assignments are not the same, okay? We will not all be front page newspapers. We will not always be known nationally. We might not all be, you know, CEOs of multinational companies. But even then, there is a, 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 a mission God has for you. All right, there's a purpose that God has for your life. And we owe it to ourselves to live out that purpose and live out that vision in our lives. It's a very important thing. So many people just go through life as though, you know, there's no purpose to their lives. Now, I do know, maybe the things that we go through, circumstances that come up on us in our lives may make us feel like our life is not worth anything. And one of the things I tell young people is that if you could, by the grace of God, work out as early as possible in your life God's purpose in your life and and move out to fulfill that purpose and try that in all that you do, everything you do points towards that direction. The earlier you sort it out and work it out in your life, it's the more you will live out a meaningful life. Now, it might not be easy for you to hear this, or it might not sound like it when you are young, when we say life is short. Life is short. And the problem is you only realize that life is short as you get older. And then you start asking yourself questions as to what did I do with my life, you know? And so in this sermon, I want to try as best as I can from God's word to show us all how to turn our vision into action. I've got two main scriptures that I'm going to read And I'll read them, and we will expound on them later. The first one is in Acts chapter 26. This is the story of Paul as he stood before King Agrippa. And we do know that he did go there on trial. It was almost towards the end of his life. Paul knew his life is coming to an end. And as he stands before King Agrippa, he tells King Agrippa about his life in a very brief way but it comes to certain points about what he was saying that I think are very important for us today. So let's read from verse 12. Sorry, I'm picking up the story in the middle of a long thing that Paul was saying, but it's not going to change the content of what we want to talk about. It says there, uh, Acts 26, verse 12, and I'm reading the contemporary English Bible. It says, on one such journey, I was going to Damascus with the full authority of the chief priests. While on the road at midday King Agrippa, I saw a light from heaven shining around me and my traveling companions. That light was brighter than the sun. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice that said to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? It's hard for you to kick against a spear. Then I said, who are you, Lord? The Lord replied, I am Jesus whom you are harassing. Now note verse 16. Get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose. Know this. To appoint you as my servant and witness of what you have seen and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people, from the Gentiles. And I am sending you to open their eyes. Then they can turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. And receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are made holy by faith in me. So God is saying, Paul, I appeared to you for a purpose. There's a purpose to your life. I've come to you and I've appeared to you in this manner. And I'm changing your life, transforming your life to fulfill purpose. Everybody here, there's a reason why you are here to fulfill purpose. As I said, yours might not be a big mission. It might seem like a small mission by our own estimation as human beings. But whatever it might be, that is God's purpose for your life. God is a purpose-driven God. God is a purposeful God. And when he brings you into the world, he brings you into the world for a reason. Think about it. You wouldn't be alive today. You may have been one of the children who was stillborn or one who was aborted. Or you may have lost your life at day one. There might have been a myriad of things that have happened. We just came now from lockdown. The last two, three years have been very difficult. We saw people stronger than us, healthier than us, more knowledgeable than us, passing on. What about people in the first world who had all the medicine in the world and all the the, the help they needed in terms of preventative measures, but they still passed on? you see. And here we are today. I mean, it's really not by our strength. It's not by our wisdom. It is all by the grace of God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And that you are here today, that you are alive today, there's got to be a reason for it. And I'm hoping that you and I can sort out that reason early in 2023 and live out that purpose for our life. Listen what Paul says. After he said to King Agrippa explained to him, Jesus appeared to me. This is what he said to me. Then in verse 19, he says something that we must all embrace. He says, So King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. So you and I, we need to be obedient to the vision that God has for us. Whatever heavenly vision God has given you now, that vision may not have come in a spectacular way like in Paul's case. There was a light that shone. He fell down. He had an audible voice. That vision may come in the form of a desire or in the form of God breathing certain things in your heart or God inspiring you towards certain goals or you just have a desire to see your life go in a certain direction and we need to be obedient to that vision. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 and I'm reading the Amplified Bible. It reads as follows. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. Verse 3 For the vision is yet for an appointed time and it hastens to the end of fulfillment, it will not deceive or disappoint. Hallelujah. Whatever vision comes from God, it will not deceive. It will not disappoint. Not what it says. It says, though it tarry, wait for it earnestly. Because it will surely come. It will not be behind head on its appointed day. So sometimes, and we'll see it as we go along, vision takes quite a while to unfold and to become a reality. And sometimes when things delay, we may come to the wrong assumption that maybe you are on the wrong road. Maybe it's not the right vision. But vision has an appointed time, and God said we need to wait for that vision. So whenever a year passes, time passes. 2022 has passed. We can all look back at 2022 and note the things that we did in 2022, all right? But time has passed. We're not going to get that time back, okay? It's gone. For that reason, a new year is a new opportunity that God gives us For and I know this is not correct English, for a new time. Time is an opportunity. Time is another chance. Time is a gift that God has given to us. As you've read, we read many scriptures that talk about time and the importance of time. And the book of Ephesians tells us to make the best use of our time. It says we must be awake, we must be alert, make the best use of our time, And it says, live in such a way that you redeem the time. In other words, live in such a way that you buy back lost time. Let not your time and let not the days of your life be lost days. Let it be a time and days that you use. So a new year, therefore, gives us an opportunity. Number one, it gives us an opportunity to redefine our priorities. You know, oftentimes we may go around in life running around doing things that are urgent. But we found out that urgent things are not necessarily important things. Sometimes we can go around being hectic, as we say, very busy, doing a lot of things, but a lot of activity does not suggest productivity. And business doesn't suggest progress. So, at the beginning of this year, would you look at your priorities and find a way to ask yourself, what is it that I'm involved with? Is it important things or is it urgent things? Okay, am I just busy or am I really fulfilling something worthwhile? Is really my time being used in something that is worthwhile? A new year, secondly, gives us an opportunity to redefine our purpose. Why? Because as we move along in life, it's very easy in terms of our vision to get off course. That's what happens. You know, things that move can get off course. And we get off course because sometimes vision experiences challenges. Sometimes there are unforeseen circumstances that befall us. Sometimes we we run out of resources. Sometimes we get discouraged. There's a, a lot of things that happen. So you need to kind of pull back and and look at yourself and say, you know, am I still on course? Am I still doing what I was born to do? Because you see, even when God gives us vision, oftentimes God doesn't tell us about the in-betweens that are going to come our way. Think about Joseph. God tells him, this is what's going to happen. You're going to lead your family they're going to come to you. They're going to bow before you. And all the story, all, you all know the story. What God didn't tell Joseph is that, you see, you're going to be thrown into a pit. You're going to be sold into slavery. You're going to go to jail. You're going to have Potiphar's wife do stuff on you. And all that, God didn't tell him the in-between. So when the in-between comes, as life unfolds, it can easily take us off course. You can easily try, try to do something else because it seems like what God has said will never happen. So in this new year, find a way to redefine your purpose. Thirdly, a new year gives us an opportunity to, re- to redefine our life's vision. So that we live in the perfect will of God. You remember last year, we talked about the perfect will of God. We talked about the acceptable will of God, you remember? So we want to make sure we are in the perfect will of God. This will make us therefore ask ourselves a question. Am I still in line with God's clear vision for my life? And the best way to stay on track is to ensure that whatever God gives you as vision, as Habakkuk says, write it down. Put it down on paper because oftentimes we can get off target. So you need to write it down on paper. So we need to make sure that we redefine vision for our lives because as vision unfolds, please listen to this carefully, as vision unfolds, it becomes clearer. You know, I I don't know. When you read the Bible, I mean, God spoke to Abraham, God spoke to Joseph, God spoke to Paul. You read about all those people that God spoke to and study their journey. When God spoke to them, I think God's language is that God speaks in terms of a finished product. He says to Paul, This is what I've called you. This is what you'll do. This is what you'll achieve. He doesn't tell Paul that you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be left for dead. You're going to be bitten by a snake. And all of these things, as they enter into our lives, they can easily take us off course. See, this is almost like a car. You know, when you drive your car, you know, on the road to your journey, there's potholes. There's all kinds of things. And as you keep getting into the potholes, what happens? Your car gets out of alignment, right? So the, the wheels that are supposed to be going that way, they end up going this way. So what must you do? You must take it back to the garage to do what? To realize. So you need to, so you are here this morning. All right. <laughs> this is a spiritual workshop. All right. We're going to put you into God's machines. To get you back on alignment. Tell your neighbor, I'm getting aligned. I'm getting back. I'm getting, I'm, getting, I'm getting back on track. Thirdly, a new year gives us an opportunity to reestablish worthwhile goals. Now, this is important. Worthwhile goals are goals that do not waste your time. It is goals that are in line with the fulfillment of your vision. And I'll see it later as I talk about it. Many people say, this is my vision, but when you look at their goals and their daily agenda, it doesn't match with their vision. It doesn't make sense. So, look at your goals. Re-establish worthwhile goals. What do I mean? There are certain things, certain goals that we may need to remove from our lives. There are some relationships that are no longer helpful for you. There are places you shouldn't be going to because they are not helping you in where you are going. Don't be afraid to remove things that are not taking you to your goal and accept that they are taking you off target. Some of us last year, we connected with the wrong friends. You went into wrong groupings. You smoked the wrong thing. Okay, can we amen anymore? And so 2022 came, it's gone. You didn't get to your goals. You didn't get to your vision. Why? Because you were doing the wrong things. And number five, and lastly, on this first point, a new year gives us a chance to bury the past. Yeah. To bury the past. I remember, I think it was Dr. Marshall Monroe who explained this. I was listening to his teaching some years ago. And, you know, he made a statement. He said, you know, God lives in eternity. And he doesn't live within time. But God has created time for us. You know, time is for you and me. Because time gives us a chance as human beings. You see, to cut up our lives. Because God knows that we have the propensity to mess up things. All right? So our lives is, is cut up into seconds and minutes and and hours and, and days, weeks, months, and years, you see. So that uh, if I mess up today, I can go to bed tonight and that signals the closure of one day. And I can wake up tomorrow to a new day. So it's my choice what I'm going to do with that day. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So we're not, we're not living in a, in a continual moment. All right. So maybe 2022 wasn't the best year for you. Maybe they told you that the silver cup is broken. We don't know. Maybe they took your money off. You were scammed. or They ran away with the money of the JV, the joint venture. Whatever the case. So here's what I want to say to you. Instead of you taking 20, 2022's problems to complicate a fresh new year. okay? Because 2023 is like a clean page. And God gives you an opportunity to write a new story. The story of the vision of your life. Can I hear a good amen in the house? And so instead of doing that, do what Jesus said. Jesus said, sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Let me decode it for you. Jesus is simply saying, every day's problem has got enough problems for that day. Yeah. So he says, take the problems of today, Today, deal with them today, and when you wake up tomorrow, don't take yesterday's problems and bring them to today. Now I know there are certain problems that may not disappear on that day. You still have to deal with them. But there are people who worry about things they can do anything about. There are certain things, no matter how much you worry, no matter how much you feel sorry for yourself, they're not going to change. So why take yesterday's problems? So Jesus teaches us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. The psalmist says, "Your messes are new every morning." Oh, I'm here to tell somebody, 2023 is a new year for you. There are things you couldn't do anything about last year. Just forget it. Silver cup is broken. It's broken. Don't try to fix it. Let it stay broken. Look at your neighbor and say, "Man, don't cry over spilled milk, man." Now. In short, leave all the baggage of 2022 in 2022. Get rid of what is distracting you in your destiny. Move on with your destiny in the name of Jesus. There are things that you can't change last year. You can't change them. No, no, don't tell other people now. I can reverse it. Yeah. So what must I do? Remove all the hair and just help it. Are you there, somebody here? Leave yesterday's problems to yesterday. It's important. You see, sometimes our eyes are our greatest enemy to vision. I'm talking about these physical eyes. Because when we look around at our lives and we look around at our circumstances, we get convinced that there's no better life and things can never improve. But vision by definition, vision is a picture of a preferable future. Vision is simply the art of seeing with the invisible eye. This is why God breathes vision in the hearts of people. And he puts a desire, a goal, a vision, a mission, a purpose in your heart. And what you hear in your heart, what you See with your invisible eye might be so different to what you are surrounded with and what your physical eyes can see. This is why I like what Helen Keller says, who became deaf and blind at the age of two, was a great educationist and an author, once said, and I quote, the only thing worse than being born blind is having sight but no vision. End of quote. Because you see, vision is not what is, Vision is what could be. And that's why God's solution to a discouraged people, to a people who feel like life is not worth anything, is to give them vision. When Abraham was discouraged, God gave him vision. When the nation of Israel was discouraged, God gave Nehemiah a vision. When there was a time when it looked like the promises of God will never happen, God sent the prophets. To give vision to the hearts of people. No wonder the book of Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You see, if you have no vision for the future, you will end up dying today. Because death is not a matter of being put six feet down or however deep we go today. But there are people who are here on earth, they are not living, but they are existing. They have left their life to fortune and coincidence. They live life with a lot of mentality. Maybe one day, Namings Webambi Lot. And they are living their destiny to luck and coincidence. But God says, take hold of your destiny. Live out your vision. Because if you don't have vision, you will perish. Why? Because vision is about the future. And the future belongs to those who see possibilities before they become obvious. It's only those who have vision who will go into the future because vision breaks the barrier of limited thinking. Vision directs our lives and, 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 and helps us to move on. Pastor Ray McCauley loves to say this, and I quote, Do not be pushed by circumstances, but rather be led by your vision, end of quote. You see, circumstances and stuff happens to all of us. And when you don't have vision, you'll allow circumstances and stuff to have the final say over your life. Things happen to all of us. But when you have vision, you'll be led by your vision. It might take long. It might be difficult. It might be challenging. You will get there. Like we say, one day is one day. Why? Because the vision is for an appointed time. You see, vision is a glimpse of your purpose. So let's go back to our text. Paul says, I've been obedient to the heavenly vision. And if you go back and look at his journey, you note that vision unfolds in the midst of all kinds of things. Turmoil, tension, being disliked. Paul had days when he didn't have resources. There he times when he abounded. At times he was forsaken by others. Some turned their backs on him. There's a time when he was bitten by a snake. There's a time when he was stoned and left for dead. But in the midst of that, vision still unfolds. So, you need to make up your mind this year. No matter what the devil throws at me. Oh, can I hear a good amen from somebody? With God helping me, I'm going to move on with vision for my life. That's why Habakkuk says, write it down. Make it plain. God says, take vision seriously. Write it down and get on the path of accomplishing it. Because vision is not going to happen on its own. No matter how much God speaks to you, no matter how much the power of God comes upon your life, no matter how many times the angel Gabriel visits you, if you're one of the lucky ones, if it ever happens if you don't get up and do something about what he told you, it's not going to help you at all. And I think one of the most defeating things that we use as religious people is to say, you know, God knows. Mudimu And I know Mudimu but Mudimu also is waiting for you to do something. Oh, yeah. Or better still, people say, no, I'm still praying about it. Well, Bible says faith without corresponding action is dead. God is waiting for you to do something. So let me show you these steps, therefore. All right. How do we make our vision come true? All right. Number one, find a way to define your vision. In other words, you need to know what is it that God wants you to do with your life. In Psalms 139 verse 3, In the New English Translation, it reads, you carefully observe me when I travel. When I lie down to rest, you are aware of everything that I do. So this is what I want to suggest. A, decide to embrace what God wants for your life. What is it that God wants for your life? I know this is not a good uh, sentence construction, but allow me to put it this way, all right? Uh, Want for yourself, what God wants for you. I know that's not good English. It's a good point. (laughs) Want for yourself what God wants for you. What do I mean? Decide to embrace what God wants for you. When you read the Bible, you'll note what God wants for you is oftentimes much more than what you want for you. Why is it that we start with God? Let's start with what God wants for us. Because vision is not just about just dreaming up anything, you know. But there are things where God allows us to decide, but I'm talking about the direction of your life. What is it that God wants you to do with your life? And when you have found out what God wants for you, want that for you. In other words, don't settle for less than what God wants for you. All right? Because our God is a God who always starts and brings to a conclusion or a completion what he started in our lives. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. As he talks to the church in Philippi, he says in verse 6, being confident of this very thing. I love it. He says that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can I hear a good amen? You see, it is God who is troubling your heart with that vision. It is God who is writing that vision in your heart. It is God who is enthusing you with that purpose for your life. And it is God who is getting you on a path called vision. And that God has started troubling you. God has started talking to you. He's not going to abandon you. God is going to make sure that what he started in your heart, he's going to help you to the finish line. Oh, I see God helping somebody to the finish line. What God has started in you, he'll bring to completion. The, the complete English Bible says, I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. Tell your neighbor, God's going to lead you today. Tell the other neighbor, God's going to lead me this year. God will get you there. B, set goals that glorify God. Set goals that glorify God. In John 5.30, in the New English translation, Jesus says, I can do nothing of my own initiative. Just as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will but the will of the one who sent me. End of quote. Jesus lived... To fulfill the will of God in his life. You see vision. Is not about you and me. It's about God. God is the originator of vision. And God is the sustainer. Of vision. Alright. So. Set goals that glorify God. And lean on God. To guide you. Psalms 37 verse 23 says. The steps of a good man. Are ordered by the Lord. God's gonna order you this year. Amen. God is gonna guide you this year. Amen. Verse 24, note what it says. It says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. So that verse is already telling us that on the path of being led by God, there'll be times when you'll stumble. Mara, even if you stumble, you shall not be utterly cast down. Amen. Be like children. You know, I love kids, eh? When they learn to walk and they're they walking there. Sarah, sissy, na-na, sissy, na-na Then they stumble and fall Have you seen what they do? They stumble and fall And, they, and then they, they lift their heads And they look at you And they smile And they try to get up And they fall And they look at you and they smile Because they've worked out something The only way to learn to walk Is to fall Falling is part of learning how to walk Alright So if you fall Doesn't mean you can't walk doesn't mean you can't walk. It just means this is what happens to people who learn to walk. <laughs> we must learn from children. Sometimes things go wrong. I tell you, sometimes you fall. So instead of being bitter, unforgiving, blaming it on who you are, look at your neighbour, say Bishop Ouhutuila we Nobua last week, blaming it on anything. Just put a big, broad smile on your face. Get up and get back on the journey of vision. Hallelujah. says, though he fall, I love it, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. You know, God would rather you try and fail than not do anything. Yeah. When Jesus came walking on the water towards his disciples who were in a boat, you remember the story? And the Bible says when they saw Jesus walking on the water, they thought it was a ghost. These big, powerful, anointed men of God, disciples. The Bible says they cried out for fear. Hey, we become afraid, all of us. <laughs> and they cried out for fear. And then Jesus Answered and said, Guys, 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 cool it. I mean, if I was talking like you young people, cool it. Chill. (laughs) It's I. It's not a ghost. It's me. And the Bible says, Peter, Lamopola Peter, eh? My goodness, Lamopola Peter, eh? Peter says, Lord, if it's you. I like the way he says it. Lord, if it's you, or if. He's not sure. (laughs) This guy takes tense say, eh? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, well, All right, oh, papa, it's okay. Come. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody remember the verse? Peter gets out of the boat. Guys, let's give the guy credit. He gets out of the boat and he begins walking on the water. Ha! Huh? Hey, 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 don't dismiss the guy now. For a while, there was a miracle going on. For a while, he was doing what no one can do. Because when God tells you to get out of the boat and walk on the water, his word will sustain you. Can I hear an amen in the house? His word will sustain you. Note what the Bible says. I love it. Go read it. It says, and when Peter saw that the wind was contrary, he doubted and he began to sink. He didn't sink right away. So when he took his eyes off what God told him and put his eyes on the circumstances, he began to sink. Jesus standing by, Jesus didn't necessarily No. When he began to sink, the Bible says, Jesus stretched out his hand and helped him. And all he said to him, he says, why did you doubt? He didn't scold him for taking the step, trying and failing. No. He scolded him for doubting. God would rather you become a wet water walker than a dry boat rider. Many people are sitting in the boat of life, never trying anything. They've resigned themselves to comfort and safety, and they will not even take the step even when God tells them to do something. Ah, 2023, I see you walking on the water and God helping you. Oh! though you drown, though you fall, God will help you. I'd rather fail trying something, Barcelona. I'm being honest with you. In fact, if you talk to any person, anybody in any field who's ever succeeded at anything, talk to them. They will tell you their failures. Because failure is not the end of you. Failure is just a way to learn how not to do it next time. Ah, but we're moving on. Can I hear an Amen. So set goals for your life. Number one, set goals, spiritual goals. You know, I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to pray. I'm going to have devotions. You know, I'm going to go to church regularly. You know, I'm going to go to the cell group. Set spiritual goals. Then set fitness goals. Thank you for those amens. I wasn't sure if I, should, I wasn't sure if I should say that. But, you know, the, the, the challenge is that uh, South Africa, we, we, we have a problem. We are counted amongst the, the obese countries in the world. Now, I'm not here to try and lecture people on, on those things, but I think it's important for us to point out, we better take care of our health, people. I'm worried about our kids. They can't run. You know, because we've gone into fast food and we're not active anymore, you know. The most active part of our bodies is our fingers, you know, cell phone, remote control. You know, we, this is all we do. Even when we are playing games, you know, we're we competing. World championship is, is on, you know. I was telling them in the first service a few years ago, several years ago, and I'm, I'm only telling the story now because it's many years ago. We, it was during Good Friday. Uh, no, no, during, during the 16th. It happened to be on a, on a Sunday, and we were commemorating June the 16th, just re- recalling and remembering what happened and the purpose for the day. So in our programming, we decided to have a mini-march from Maponya Mall, and we went around and came back to the church. So I want to be part of that march. I think I was in my, in my late 50s at the time. So we went around... For a march. And that's about march, ne? Yeah, it's a march. So, I did take it that day because otherwise, anyhow. So, when we finally got here, the service had started. The nine o'clock service was just about to start. And I think this young person, for some reason, I don't know how you say it. Not in a bad way. She had put me bumper. Is that what you say in English? Yeah because I think she decided because when the time of praise came you know it was young people who were leading the singing so she was going to get up here and dance and jump so she decided I'm going to get this old man to come dance with me in front You're not with me I mean come dance with us I just want to see how healthy he is I think that was the decision so she comes and she grabs me she says yeah Bishop go, go taught you today <laughs> hey Bishop these young people sometimes hey, Bishop I don't go it today you must come and come and sing with us and dance with us in the front. No problem. So I came standing here, I remember. This many years ago, you won't remember what I'm talking about. So, so that was real. So I started. So they started going. And she was really going. And then three minutes into the song she was going. Because ah, 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 ah. she, she she had a little bit of a, whatchamacallit. I call it. And then, as the music went on, <laughs> don't tell her, I danced even more. <laughs> and you know what she did? She disappeared and she just disappeared into the crowd and went. <laughs> but you know, afterwards, I thought Shem, She was 16, 18 years old girl. Can't keep up with a 50-something-year-old old man. It's a problem, guys. Serious problem. Some of you this year, some of us this year, we really need to get back to our fitness. I didn't say go to Virgin Active. I'm not prescribing what you must do. But whatever it is that you must do, take care of your health. Have those goals. Why? Because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. This is the only vessel you have through which you can actualize vision. Right. and we don't take care that's why the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit oh yeah oh yeah so look at your neighbor and say somebody that you know <laughs> <laughs> please no fights no fights be Christian about it come on set educational goals you know Go to school. Go study. Young people, go to school. Study. Study. Be educated. Yeah. Go and finish your degree. Get your MBA. Others also, informal education. Read books. Buy books. Inform yourselves. Go to seminars. Enroll short courses. Get education. Set family goals. With your family. You want to have a good family. Spend time with your family. Spend time with your children. Spend time with one another as husband and wife? What about career goals? Work towards, you know, uh, promotion on a raise or starting a new job or, or starting a new business. Set social goals. You know, some, some, some relationships are no longer, they've timed out. You, you know what I mean? Koresal by deity is fit Because those people are no longer, you've changed so much. And you found yourself among people who, they don't want to move on with life. They want to stay in their prison of bitterness and unforgiveness and bed-biting and and Mgozi. Get out of the Mgozi WhatsApp group, man. You've got better things to do with your your data. Please. Set financial goals. This year is a year where you're going to do better financially. No machonisa. Oh, I know some of you don't like the sermon. Look at your neighbor who's not saying amen and say, what's well, so our Bishop is preaching. You're not saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. Live according to your means. Don't, don't, put, don't push yourself beyond what you can afford. I know, Anna, times are hard. I agree. These economic times are difficult for everybody. But just, just try to pace yourself. Living in debt is not the best thing. I'm telling you these people who are getting us in debt it's for their benefits not for your benefit honestly can be end of the month we now arabi phone can be can be set goals to serve god how are you serving in church how are you serving your community so those are the goals okay number 3 see a bigger picture of your life this year As you're inspired by God. In Genesis 37, when God spoke to Joseph, he showed him a bigger picture of his life. In other words, allow God to stretch you. Don't be small-minded. Now note, even though our journey and our dream may start small, but it doesn't stay small. It grows with time. You really have to believe big. Big faith. Big thinking. Note what Paul says in Ephesians 2.20. This is just an important verse. He says to the church in Ephesus, as he is writing to them, he says, now unto him, talking about God, who is able, now, now listen to the sentence construction and that language. Who is able to do exceeding Abundantly above. I mean, just those three words. Exceeding. Abundantly above. Not just a few, but all. But note, all that we do what? All that we. So, in other words, God waits for you to ask. And whatever level you pitch, he's going to pitch a higher level than that. Uh. So, if you are wise, you'll you'll try to pitch a very high level. Because you know God is going to go exceeding abundantly above all. Now know that we ask all things. So it's in the asking, the praying, it's in the thinking. Think big. Pray big prayers. God will do exceedingly above. Yeah. That's why one of the names of God we find in the Old Testament is El Shaddai. And the name El Shaddai means the God who is more than enough. God doesn't know the word enough. Uh. God knows more than enough. God doesn't give you enough. Ah, David says, my, 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 my cup runneth over. I'm, I'm trying to tell you in a nice way that you, 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 even your biggest dream for your life doesn't compare to God's smallest dream for your life. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Think big as God guides you. Pray big. Desire to have impact in your vision. Somebody says, if you got bored with life, and if you don't get up every morning with a burning desire to do things, it's because you don't have big enough goals. And then make a plan of action. Planning is the starting point of any dream. Note, even if God gives you vision... He doesn't make plans for you. Hmm. God leaves you to do the planning. And this is why it gets complicated with Christian people. We want God to do everything. Now I agree. Our lives is in the hands of God. But please note, there are things that God's not going to do for us. There's always God's side of the equation and man's side of the equation. Go and look at when Jesus prayed for people and healed people. Oftentimes, he didn't even credit the healing to his power. He says, your faith. Uh, Your faith. In other words, God says, I've got the power. I can change your life, but I'm depending on you believing for it. Yeah. You remember the man who came and said, my child is sick at home? No, my servant. My servant's not well. Or my son is taken up by an evil spirit and it comes down, throws him into the fire. You remember what this man said? He says, if you will, if you will, if you will, come have compassion on him and heal him. And Jesus turns and says, if you will believe. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't even ask about my willingness. I'm already willing. There's no question about whatever I want to do or how I can do it. It's already settled. Now I will do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask. So what I can do is what you can believe for. Wow. We've never worked that out when it comes to God. Many people, you know, just leave it and say, well, God, whatever will be, whatever will be. You know, God, my life, and our life is in God's hands. But oftentimes God has prompted people to dream. Came to Abraham, he says, Lift up your eyes and look. He says Bona, as far as your eye can see, that's what I'll give you. As far as your eye can see, what do you see this year? What do you see for your life this year? Note Proverbs 21, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead only to plenty. So plan for your life you got a plan for your life. Then clarify your plans. In other words, let your goals be clear. It's important that we do that. And then move into implementation. Now note, and I want to wrap up in a short one. When you start thinking about implementation, implementation will force you to turn your goals into actionable steps. In other words, nothing happens until you take action. Very important. Very important. That woman with the issue of blood, she came to Jesus, touched the hem of his garment. Bible says, virtue came out of Jesus. And Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. And Jesus wasn't going to that woman. Jesus was walking by. He wasn't even aware the woman is coming to receive healing but has steps put into action in fact I love one translation when it says virtue came out of him and Jesus says I felt the power go out of me one translation says I felt your faith make a demand on my ability oh yeah think about it Jesus wasn't even looking Jesus was going this way Jesus wasn't even going to her he was walking this way But her steps and her faith made a demand on the power of God. What about blind Bartimaeus? He heard that Jesus is passing by. And when he asked people to take him to Jesus like people do, when your life is locked in a cycle, and you are disadvantaged and things are not happening, they're not there to help you. They want to look at your life and look at your circumstances, and they want to turn that into your future and your destiny. They saw blind Bartimaeus. He's blind after all. This is the end of his life. This is what is going to be of his life. And sometimes, therefore, when we turn to people and you've got vision in your heart and you think things can be different, sometimes their response might not be an encouraging response. I love blind Bartimaeus. He doesn't leave it to the people. They refuse to take him to Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus thinks and he says, you know what? Even if I can't see where Jesus is, even if I can't locate him, I've got something that God has given me. I've got a voice I can shout. And Bartimaeus starts shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the very people who are next to him, they say, shh. Quiet, because there are people who don't want your life to approve. There are people who don't want you to take a step towards God. But I love Blind Bartimaeus. Instead of being unforgiving, instead of being depressed, instead of being bitter, he only raises his voice higher. The Bible says he shouts higher. Jesus, Son of David, mercy. And the Bible says Jesus stopped. Ah, God's going to stop for you this year. (laughs) Jesus stopped and said, someone's calling me. Who is it? Says that guy over there. He was not even in the crowd. He wasn't even next to Jesus. He was outside of the crowd, but he understood something. If I don't move, God will not move on my behalf. I've got to do something. And he came to Jesus and you read the rest of the story. Jesus says your faith has made you whole. <laughs> ah, I see your faith moving you to places this year. <laughs> Hallelujah. Have an action plan. James 2:17 says so also faith if it doesn't have works says this in the amplified bible. If it doesn't have deeds and actions of obedience to back it up. By itself it is destitute of power. It's inoperative and it's dead. Faith if it doesn't have corresponding action is dead. Yeah, you believe what God has said. You've written down the vision. Take action. Corresponding action. Colossians 3.23 says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So, get into action mode. Break down your implementation into small steps. Things you can do daily, weekly, monthly. And that's always important. Number four, take risks. Let me put it this way. Take God-inspired, calculated risks. Because God will always push you to places you've never been. Never allow fear to stop you from following your vision. And never allow the thoughts of failure to imprison you into a prison of inactivity. There are people who are imprisoned by what if I fail? Well, I want to say to you, what if you don't? But if you don't? Because, I mean, the ratio is 50-50. You have a 50% possibility of failing and 50% possibility of winning. Yeah. Take risks to reach your goal. Strive to accomplish your dreams. Don't allow fear to stop you. Don't allow fear to stop you. Somebody once said, if you talk to athletes and ask them about how they feel before they compete... Most of them, if not all of them, feel some sense of fear. However, they've learned how to use that fear as a springboard to a better performance. See, if you're going for a speaking engagement and you're afraid you're going to fluff, the fear will push you to prepare, will push you to try and refine your speech. So you're still afraid, but you're using the fear in a constructive way they are using their fear to get you to prepare and be more ready. So we all experience fear. Most of us. There are a few people who are not afraid. But most of us, we experience fear. And that is why in the Bible, I'm sure you know this, there are 366 verses in the Bible that give that sense of fear not. 366. Can you imagine? Three hundred and sixty-six fear notes in the Bible. In other words, God has given you one fear note every day, and one extra for leap <laughs> year. Shaba yaba yaba. Oh. Huh? so take 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 the dose every day. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Fear has paralyzed many people. Yeah. And as I close, note that obstacles will come along the way. Always see possibilities when you face challenges. Be aware that every vision has obstacles that come. When you have obstacles, it's a sign that you're moving somewhere. But note what it says. It steps. the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It says as well, It says, man makes the plans in his heart, but it is the Lord that directs his path. Know that. Let me close and conclude with this illustration. You make the plans, right? God directs the path. What does it mean? When you set out in these steps, stay connected with heaven. Because God knows on this path, you're going to experience problems. And as you experience problems, talk to him. He will direct you. Several years ago, we, we went to East London to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to go and make a presentation. We went as the International Federation of Christian Churches. And one of the missionaries allowed us to use his plane. There's a plane he used for his mission trip. So got his pilots to take us there because of the awkward times. So we flew there, and we flew from uh, Lansiria Airport. This is before what was is what it is now. But then it was then a very small airport. Didn't have as much equipment, you know. But it was an, a smaller airport. So we flew over to East London, and unfortunately, the, the, the program of the day was very long. And when we finally came to do our presentation, it was very late. As a result, when, when we were all done, it was quite late at night. So, flying back, the pilot tells us that, look, uh, the weather in Johannesburg is not good. Uh, as, you, as they say, there's a lot of weather around. I've never understood what they mean by that. There's a lot of weather around, and it's going to be a bumpy flight, and the clouds are low, and it's raining, and all kinds of things. But don't worry, we should be there. So, then, then later on, pilot comes on and says, no, we should be landing in 15 minutes, blah, blah, blah. And then we noted, you know, because now we got into really bad weather. I mean, it was dark everywhere. Plane is bouncing everywhere. It's all dark, can't see anywhere. And then we noted, no, man, we've been airborne now for 45 minutes. This guy said we'll be touching down in 15 minutes. It's <laughs> up. So, Pastor Ray called then. Says to the pilot, uh, is everything okay? <laughs> and he says, yeah, Pastor Ray, everything's okay. Except that uh, the weather is bad and so on. He says, okay. He says, no, I'm still trying, uh, but I'll get back to you. And then comes back on and says, um, <clears throat> we have a technical problem. <laughs> the, the Lanseria airport operators have knocked off because it's after hours now for them. So there's nobody to bring us in. <sighs> You're hearing that when you are airborne? <laughs> it got quiet in the plane. And this is a time where you, re, you, re, you, you forget Psalms chapter 91. He that walks in the. You, you just forget about it. <laughs> so it got quiet in the plane. and So the, the pilot comes and says, No, no, it will be fine. So. So now it's been an hour and 15 minutes. We could tell we're going around. I, we, we, you can't see because you don't have any reference point because it's all dark, but it was like we're going on. And finally comes and says, look, uh, we've just been picked up. I, I radioed, then it was called Jan Smuts Airport. It's O.R. Tambo. He said, I radioed O.R. Tambo, Smuts Airport. They were able to pick us up on their radar. Okay, because they've got the big machines. They are able to pick us up on the radar. They will bring us in for a landing all right. So here we go. So pilot comes on and says, we're going to be touching down in five minutes, please, uh, whatever, in seat belts up, everything. We're, we're, anyhow, we're already doing that. We're already had our belts on and everything, <laughs> even if we didn't ask for it. And, and, and then, so we come down for a landing. We break through the cloud. And I mean, the cloud was so low when we broke through the cloud, the landing strip wasn't so far. We landed safely. Whew, Jesus. You know, afterwards, I'm thinking about this, and I thought, we didn't know where we were. We are on our journey of destiny. We're flying somewhere. We get caught in bad weather. But even if we didn't know where we were, somebody knew where we were. Somebody could see us on radar. Watch. And as long as we followed the steps that he was telling us to take we we are going to land safely I want to tell somebody this year as long as you follow the steps that God the Father is giving you this year no matter how difficult and how challenging it is you are going to land safely in the name of Jesus Because even if you don't know where you are because of turbulence, there's a God in heaven who knows exactly where you are. And if you listen to Him, He's going to guide you safely to the achievement of your dream. And I see you getting there. Give the Lord a big hand in the name of Jesus. Shall we all stand please as we close in a word of prayer? We thank you, Lord, that you are the giver of vision. You are the one who inspires us. And you are committed to guiding us. I pray for every one of us today that we will step out and by your help Fulfill vision. Will you raise your hands, everybody? We raise our hands, oh God, as a sign of surrender. Where we've allowed fear to take away our dream, we walk away from that. Where we allow destruction, things that got us off course, we throw that in the past in the name of Jesus. We arise by your help and by your strength and by your anointing to get on the journey of vision. Let your grace surround our lives. Let your enabling power of the Holy Spirit guide us, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, please. You can put your hands down for a while I want to ask at the beginning of the year there are people who when you look at how you lived your life last year if you are to be honest about it you didn't live in a manner that was pleasing to God and as you've been listening to God's word today you sense in your heart that you know I want to start this year right. I want to start with God. I want to give my life to Christ for Him to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. I want to invite Jesus into my life to change me and make me a child of God. Even those of you who are watching in the other churches, I'm talking to you right where you are. If you are here, whether in the main auditorium, in the foyer, or in the youth hall, or in those churches, if you say, please pray for me. My life is really not where God wants it to be, but I want to invite Christ in my life. Come into my life, change me, and make me a child of God. Would you please pray for me? Would you raise your hand, please, right where you are? Just raise it high. Let me see. Just raise it high. Thank you for those hands. All over the place. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. We came here today for God to fix our lives, to set us on a new path for God to start something new. Thank you so much for raising those hands. And I ask those of you in the foyer and in the youth hall, even in the other churches, raise your hands right where you are. This is what I want to do. I believe you're raising your hand because you mean it. Because really you need God to intervene in your life and I want to pray for you. So I'm going to invite you please to come from where you are, take your belongings. Don't leave anything of yours behind. Take your Bible, your bag, your purse. For those of you who are in the other halls, do the same as well. And for those in the other halls, just, I'm going to ask you to walk to the front of that building. Even in the churches, walk to the front of that building. And all of you in this auditorium who have raised your hands, just walk to the front of the building right now. The ushers will help you. I want to pray for you. Just walk. Give them a big hand as they come.